Tom, good to talk to you. How are you guys today? Doing terrific. We appreciate it. Jeff, we were talking about this earlier today. Was it unfair for the hype that this game had last Saturday, the Arkansas-Texas game? Was it, was it – I mean, look, Sark's in his second game uh, in Austin. So the national media, the, the local media, we all hyped this game pretty well. Was, was that unfair? Um, I don't think it was unfair, Tom. I, look, I, I think there's a there's a generation of college football fans, and I'm not a part of this generation, that remembers this rivalry very fondly and understands, and, and I got a taste of it Saturday night in Fayetteville, uh, kind of the vitriol that's, on, that's in this rivalry, specifically from the Arkansas side to the Texas side. Um, so, I, I, again, I think there are people, if you grew up, uh, really watching the final of the Southwest Conference, you were probably really excited about this game. I think for, you know, probably my age bracket going back down, uh, you were excited about it uh, on the Texas side. But I think if you're on the Arkansas side, regardless of how old you are, it was the biggest game in Fayetteville in probably, I don't know, the last five to seven years. So, uh, no, I don't think it was unfair, Tom. I, I think what – and this doesn't really fall into the fair, not fair category. I think Texas, and you can see it on their faces. I don't know how well you guys could see it on TV, but you could dang sure see it in the stadium from the press box. Everybody on that sideline, from Steve Sarkeesian on down to, you know, the video staff, nobody was ready for what they walked into in Fayetteville on Saturday. Again, just the the vitriol from that Arkansas crowd directed at Texas uh, nobody on that Texas sideline has ever been in anything like that. They weren't ready for it. And clearly, you could tell that once they got hit in the mouth by Arkansas, it just seemed like three and a half to four quarters of them just staggering and, and trying to figure out where the heck they were. So uh, the hype, the, it, nothing wrong with hype at the time, but I think all the hype and the, uh, the preparedness, the readiness for it was all on the Arkansas side. Is it fair to say there, there's some people out there that the sky is falling, the sky is falling. After one game like that, is that a fair statement, really, Jeff? No, Ward. You know, you know what's interesting? I went and looked back at it. You know, every – think about this. Every first-year Texas head coach since Fred Akers. Fred Akers was the last first-year Texas head coach to get off to better than a one-and-two start. David McWilliams started one-and-two. John Makovic did. Mac Brown did. Charlie Strong did, Tom Herman did, and boy, if Sark starts off one and two, we we'll be having an entirely different conversation at this time <laughs> next week. But, but that you know, one thing all of them have in common, guys, is they've all got just one ugly non-conference loss. David McWilliams has a four-touchdown loss to Auburn in there. John Makovic got a loss to Mississippi State. Mac Brown took a team out to to L.A. that got beat by 18 points by a really good UCLA team. Charlie Strong had a 34-point loss to BYU. And Tom Herman had that Maryland game his first year. So I think it just it, it just speaks to what the history tells you is, man, it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are or, or, or what your tenure ultimately ends up being. It's really hard to take a roster and go play – you know, a formidable non-conference opponent and be really good right out of the gate. Not to say that it can't be done or it's impossible, but at Texas, history tells you it's kind of tough. And I think that bleeds into the quarterback decision, other personnel decisions that could or couldn't be made for the Rice game. I think Steve Sarkeesian's still really figuring out this roster on the fly. And I think that was part of the shock look, guys, that everybody had on their face on the Texas side. 
I don't know if it's Sark underestimated the Arkansas personnel or overestimated his own personnel, but there was a look of disbelief on his face that he did not expect anywhere close to, to what was playing out on Saturday. And again, I just think it goes back to first year head coaches at Texas early on. You're still really trying to figure some things out. And as we know, uh, you're doing that while the expectations are, are, are really, really high. Yeah, and that's one of the other things that we talked about. The, the Razorbacks absolutely dominating the line of scrimmage both sides of the ball. I don't think anybody anticipated it being like that. No, Tom, not the way they lost it. I mean, look, they just flat got hit in the mouth. Look, when you, I don't care who you are. When you give up 300 yards rushing and you're, you know, your opponent averages almost five yards per carry after contact. I mean, think about this. Arkansas had 224 yards after contact on the ground and Texas had 16 missed tackles in that game. And I think a lot of some of the, not a lot of it, some of it boils down to, I think the defense and they got worn out in the first half because the offense gave them no help. When you're three and out on five of your first seven possessions, uh, that's the exact opposite, the antithesis of playing complimentary football. So I do think the defense got worn down a little bit, but I guess offensively, they just got nothing going. It, it was a bad night for Hudson Card. It was a really bad night for the offensive line. Uh, even Sark as a play caller didn't have much going on. I, I'll, I'll say this, though. If, if there's any, and it might sound absurd for me to say this is a good thing, if there's any good thing that comes out of this for Texas, I think for Steve Sarkeesian it is whatever concerns you might have had about this team, whatever question marks you thought you had, whatever potential flaws that you thought were with this roster, there are no secrets anymore <laughs> with what you've got. Everything got exposed on Saturday and the challenge for him. And I even asked him about this in the press conference yesterday, uh, you know, for him, the focus is staying the course, but it's taking stock of what are the issues? Number one, number two, what can you realistically fix through this rice game, getting you ready for the big 12 opener, against Texas Tech in less than two weeks, and then a back-to-back stretch where you're at TCU, and then you've got the Oklahoma game. What can you realistically fix in this stretch? And then three, and I think this is going to tell the tale of where this Texas team goes, guys, what cannot realistically get fixed in the amount of time you have? And as a play caller and with your personnel decisions, how can you scheme and work around it and mask some of your deficiencies? So that there's a it's it's a it's a man in the mirror moment this week for Texas, not just for Steve Sarkeesian, but for a lot of people in that facility this week. Jeff, he also said that uh, Casey Thompson will get to start against Rice. I, I and I felt like when we were talking about it, that's really not that big a deal. I understand that you're still trying to figure out what you have, and the only way you're going to figure out with what you have is put them underneath the lights and let them play, and then you can really evaluate the two quarterbacks that you have. Is is that kind of the thinking that you think is going on, or is he just completely baffled right now? No, Ward, I think with that decision, I don't think it's a panic move. Some people call it a panic move. I don't think it's a panic move because, again, you know, he, he is the first first-year Texas head coach in the post-Darrell Royal era to inherit a quarterback room going into a season that had zero games of starting experience. And really, the only snaps of significance that either of those guys had were the 22 that Casey Thompson got in the Alamo Bowl. So really, this quarterback battle started from square one. I know Casey's been in the program for a few years, but in terms of taking high leverage snaps or just snaps, period, in games, neither one of these guys had really done it. So I do, you know, there wasn't everything I'd heard guys throughout the spring, throughout the summer, even throughout the two scrimmages at camp. There wasn't a lot that separated those guys 
other than in the first scrimmage, Casey Thompson did a really bad job of protecting the football. So I think Sark really feels like he's got two quarterbacks that he can win with. But I do think there's something to be said for it was clearly moving way too fast for Hudson Card on Saturday. I think Hudson Card, at the end of the day, at some point, is going to be a really good quarterback for this program. It just wasn't Saturday night, and I don't think it's a bad thing to you know, let him, as Sark said yesterday, catch his breath and really get his feet back underneath him. Don't send him out in the Rice game. Let Casey Thompson run the offense. See if you can establish something. And I do think, too, the other part of that quarterback decision is this. And this goes back to something I asked Sark yesterday as well about the offensive line. Cause I, I asked about a couple of backup players. You now Hayden Connor, a true freshman, Andre Carrick, a redshirt freshman. Do you look at getting those guys in the game? And Sark basically said, those those backups are going to play based on how the execution goes for the rest of the game, which tells you, man, for better or worse, the five they're starting on the offensive line, that's the five guys they trust the most to put on the field right now. And either – they just don't have anybody else that they feel comfortable with or guys that they could potentially feel comfortable with. They're not ready yet to get those primetime reps. So if your offensive line is going to be operating in a state of chaos, you've got to have a quarterback out on the field who is best operating in chaos. I think right now that's Casey Thompson. If your offense was on schedule more often than not, and the way Steve Sarkeesian wants his offense to operate when it is on schedule, Hudson Cart checks all the boxes. But clearly, you know, the offensive line wasn't great in the Louisiana game, and everybody saw what they saw on Saturday. If that's going to be the case more often than not, then your quarterback's going to be asked to make a lot of off-schedule plays, needs to be a really decisive runner, uh, and Casey Thompson checks more of those boxes, I think, for what Texas needs right now that maybe what ideally Steve Sarkeesian wants his off, how he wants his offense to function. And that's where I was going. Casey Thompson's going to give you a better opportunity when a play, when a play breaks down right now. Yeah, Tom, and, and I, you know, his, I do like the fact that, and we talk about, you know, I know I just mentioned the snap numbers and operating in chaos. Well, those 22 snaps he got in the Alamo Bowl, if you're talking about what is a chaotic situation, how about coming off the bench cold as the backup quarterback in a bowl game? Your four-year starter's got a shoulder injury. He's out the rest of the game. It's a one-possession game. Here, kid, go get him. I mean, that's a pretty <laughs> chaotic situation, and everybody saw how he handled it. He threw four touchdown passes. I do think, too, you know, Casey Thompson does not – not to say the Hudson Clark doesn't, but Casey Thompson has the respect of a lot of guys in that locker room because he has been there for a while. They look at him as a guy that has paid his dues. And I think right now – at a time where Steve Sarkeesian, quite frankly, is still trying to figure out, hey, who are the leaders on his team, the guys that other guys are going to lean on? And again, not to say that guys don't respect Hudson Card or he's not that kind of guy. I just think Casey Thompson right now in this moment gives you a little bit more of that. So for everything we talked about, Tom, for the ability to extend plays, in a chaotic situation with your offensive line. Oh, and by the way, You've got a receiver group, and this was a group that I talked about all offseason. You know, last year showed I don't know how many guys you have. I, I love Jordan Whittington in the slot, but outside, I don't know how many guys you have that can go win one-on-one. They didn't do it Saturday night, so all the stuff is, is breaking down around the quarterback. Uh, you just need a guy who's a little bit better in those chaotic situations on top of the leadership. Uh, and, again, with Rice coming to town, no disrespect to Mike Bloomberg's program, but, hey, if you're going to give Casey Thompson a shot to, to run the offense, 
why not give him a shot and see if he can go do it this week? Yeah, this is it. Hey, Jeff, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being on the program. Uh, keep Craig in line, and I know that's a full-time job, but we, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we only tell the truth around here. Uh, have yourself a great day. We appreciate you. Tom, that is easier said than done, but I will do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, talk to you soon. See you later.